starts at NFL Podcast. It's Thursday. It's October 15th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. Oh, we're coming a day later on the Cash Game Pod this yeah. week. Uh, this week, because football decided to play an extra game this week. I'm for it, by the way. Well, every Games every day. Work the schedule out. I, there's no reason now. Basketball's over. Baseball, I guess some people are still watching that. Uh, I'm not really personally all that much. But uh, I don't know. Injuries, smidgeries, am I right? Like... Oh, I mean, the NFL doesn't care about these the guys injuries. are millionaires. That's <laughs> well, so I like nah, to say. Any t- anytime okay. player safety comes up, whether it's COVID, broken legs, they're millionaires. So <laughs> yeah, that's not okay. Uh, that's that, that's not good. That's not you're not that's not going to be the talking points that I typically bring up. And I didn't consider the injury part, so I'm sorry about that. So maybe maybe they shouldn't play every day. I'm not saying the team should play every day. I'm just saying we, there should be a game every day. That's all. Um, th- th- we could work the schedule out so we can get. I think it's like baseball. Whatever. Let's go 162 games over eight months. <laughs> All right, you're feeling a wet blanket, my God. All right, we're, we're going to talk about cash games here for week six. A uh, little bit of a smaller slate. Um, all games are, that are on the schedule now are set to play. Uh, these, you know, weird, wacky times we live in. These are things are never set in stone. But um, there are four teams on buys, plus we have uh, like an extra Monday night game. So it's actually really not that big of a slate, all things considered. Uh, but still plenty of value out here. Um, some weird pricing, not non-pricing adjustments that I think we kind of noticed. Uh, one thing is interesting is this week, the, and we're going to start with quarterbacks, but I think five or the five or the top six overall points per game quarterbacks this season are not on the main slate. Uh, like you know, Josh Allen's not on the main slate. Mahomes, you know, Dak obviously is not going to be back. Yeah, like that whole safe group that we talked about last week. We're like every week you're going to get to pick between six guys that are totally safe. It's like- yeah, they just all happen to not be on the slate <laughs> anymore. And then like I said, like Dak gets injured. But um, uh, but the, we'll start with Deshaun Watson because are you after last week? Where they, the Bill O'Brien's out of the picture now, and we were a little bit hesitant about Will Hodson because it's a new coach and and whatnot. He kind of came back out and was just the Deshaun Watson that we had seen before. Now he played Jacksonville, and Jacksonville has just really given it up to opposing quarterbacks this season. So you have to kind of factor that in. And Watson had had that brutal schedule of KC, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and then Minnesota, um, where he kind of started coming out of the funk, but not totally. But then last week, throws for 360 or 359 yards, uh, throws for three touchdowns, gets out and runs for his second most yards of the season. Are we ready to put him back in this group of guys that I think we walked in the season considering him part of, but then uh, just for, you know, bad scheduling luck or game plan or whatever it was. He wasn't there anymore. He plays Tennessee this week. Uh, are we ready to kind of just lock and load him as part of that elite group that we had talked about? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, we talked about him as a cash game play on the podcast last week. We ran him in some cash game lineups last week as well. Um, he was the chalk option once we finally got to figure out who that was on Monday when FanDuel finally uh, updated their data feed or whatever. So I think people are on Deshaun Watson. I think he'll be the highest on quarterback on this slate as well the price hasn't moved whatsoever uh the matchup is reasonable you know it's certainly nothing like the matchups that he was facing early in the season and the titans are just an incredible question mark right like they just played on tuesday against the bills (laughs) like talking about teams that uh could potentially be pretty tired to go from playing tuesday night to sunday early slate just seems like a recipe for uh a difficult game for them so yeah i really like watson in all formats uh, you know, Tennessee's been decent against the pass. They ranked 11th in DVOA this season, 19th against the run. I just think that we're getting sort of a pedigree 
and you know, and I should take that back. Lamar Jackson is on the slate. Um, I just think he's probably just a little bit expensive because you're you're also getting Watson at least on DraftKings. You're getting him for ten percent less. Uh, Lamar Jackson, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you too, Lamar Jackson hasn't been the Lamar Jackson of last season, by the way, um, to start this season. That's it, you know the rushing attempts uh, kind of are coming and going at times. So um, I mean, I'm still putting I'm still putting him in the group. We have him as the highest overall ranked, uh, just you know. Ranked quarter, yeah, raw points, but with ten per, paying ten percent more, it's going to be tough, right? So right. I think that makes it kind of close but clear to me. Like I don't know why you would pay ten percent more for what could just be a push expectation rise, right? Watson's outscored Jackson so far this season. The passing has really come back down to earth, both in terms of total yardage and touchdowns, which you've highlighted early in the season as well. So yeah, I'm definitely on. Watson over Jackson for this one. Now, after him, um, I did write up a couple guys who we have not really considered in cash. Other people have at times. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick a couple weeks ago was kind of a chalkier option on DraftKings, uh, coming pretty cheap. I, I wrote him up again this week. He plays the Jets. The Jets are awful uh, and mm-hmm. with no really hope of getting better. They rank 31st against the pass this season. And Fitzpatrick has been just I mean, decent uh, from a fantasy perspective. He's been a little up and down. Like, he's had really bottom games. Like he just had a well, couple he had, he had the one bad game against New England, but other than that, he's been he had another game. picture of an- consistency, right? He's got 23 fantasy points. At his lowest and 27 at his highest in his other four games. I wonder if he made it up on the ground that one week because I could have sworn he had another week where he didn't throw a touchdown, but he might have gotten out and run He did. Game. That was against Seattle, but he had six carries for 47 and a touchdown okay. game. So. Okay, right. So, okay, so it gets him done on the ground. And that's, and that is important, by the way, because we've talked about this and just in terms of quarterbacks that are able to run, we're going to want to gravitate toward them really, you know, often because that just raises your floor so much in a way that guys like, you know, Tom Brady and Drew Brees just can't get it done in that in that they've just it, it's all relying on the arm and that just is a pretty risky place to be. Fitzpatrick right now is fifth overall in rushing yards this week. Could we is it enough this could be the season is among quarterbacks. Is it enough to pivot down off of Watson to a guy like Fitzpatrick? The savings is pretty material on DraftKings where he's 1100 less than Washington uh, than Watson. Yeah, on DraftKings, I would say absolutely. We've talked about how the pricing differences from the two sites really makes a pretty big difference. And no more so, I think, than a quarterback where you can pay a ton for perceived safety. And then these cheaper guys just are are just much too cheap. So I think you get, um, you know, we've talked about this with Teddy Bridgewater. Like you said, Fitzpatrick has been a chalk option on DraftKings in the past. I could absolutely see uh, going in the Fitz magic direction. Like you said, with the Jets, it's just a strange team. Like they've been quite terrible against the pass, but opposing teams haven't had to pass against them very often because they're just so bad that they're constantly losing a ton. But the 8.3 yards per attempt allowed through the air is tied for third worst in the entire NFL. So yeah, I count this as a game that I think we could see some Fitz magic once again. Yeah, and I think actually, I do think he'll be a decently popular play this week. Like I said, Jacksonville has really, really given it up to opposing quarterbacks this season. Uh, I had it real quick. They have not allowed fewer than 19 DraftKings points at any point. So, like, they you know, gave it up to Watson. Uh, Tannehill's put up like 27 against them. Um, oh, excuse me. I'm, I'm, excuse me. I'm talking about Jacksonville. Oh, look, you know, I messed this up, but it's all right. We're going to go on, we're going on to the Jacksonville piece of this right now because I messed this up. They're playing the Jets because I'm so excited about how bad Jacksonville's been. So, does Matthew Stafford. At what point do we use opponent, not solely because we don't do that, but at what point does the opponent become so apparent that it, it's so bad that we can just play the guy even though that guy has not really been that good? Because Stafford plays the Jags this week, and the Jags are just a, a, an order of magnitude 
worse than even the Jets when it comes to the pass this season. And, like, you know, from a yards per attempt category, I think they have, they're allowing a half a yard more per attempt than the Jets, who are the next closest. And then that's the difference of, like, the 31st team down to the 22nd team, right? So, like, it's such a, there's such a gap here for the, for Jacksonville. But Stafford has also been pretty bad <laughs> this year. So I'm wondering at what point we feel comfortable just saying, man, this is just too good of an opponent matchup, and we can kind of squint to see it because Stafford himself, it's hard to make a statistical case for Stafford once you remove the opponent. Yeah, I mean, in terms of raw fantasy scoring, the performance for Stafford hasn't been as bad as the real life uh, football production he's put out. Like, he scored less than one FanDuel point per game than Lamar Jackson, for instance. You know, he's he's certainly getting it done on some level in garbage time. Um, I think you can also make the case that his stock should be rising on the back of getting a healthier wide receiver core uh, with Galladay now healthy in back-to-back weeks and a touchdown in back-to-back weeks as well. So, I uh, yeah, I, I think you can make a... A reasonable case for him I don't really like to do I, I think matchup is one of the more overrated somehow things uh, in current DFS because like when we first started doing DFS people didn't understand that you know games in Coors Field would be very high scoring right so like we've, we've come a long way in terms of people understanding how much matchup matters but I think they almost go too far in the matchup direction especially early season when you'll hear things like uh, such and such a team has given up twice as many fantasy points to opposing tight ends than anyone else. And it's like, yeah, that's just because Tanyan had that one three-touchdown game. You know what I mean? So um, I do think we can overrate matchup. Matchup's not going to give you double the fantasy points in any regard. Uh, I think this is a time where if you're trying to figure out how matchup is going to, or like should affect your underlying projection, it's very reasonable just to turn to the Vegas line and say, okay, the Lions normally score X points per game, Vegas has them for 28.5 points per game. Therefore, we can give Stafford, you know, a percentage increase over what they normally score. I think that's a pretty reasonable way to approach it. As you can tell, I didn't have that number, like, available off the top of my head. But I suspect that our system will give him, you know, a modest bump. But not not the type of thing where, like, people think it's the trump card when they're like, yeah, but the Jags have done whatever against the pass. It's like there's just a more nuanced way to approach that, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I and maybe I was overstating. I was you, you make a point because the touchdowns have kind of been there. He's averaging about two touchdowns per game, but it's just like he's so the completion percentage is so bad. It's 61 percent yeah, uh this season. And he hasn't exactly faced a total murderer's row. I mean, these teams are okay. Chicago, Green Bay, Arizona, the Saints. Yeah, it's like um, an average schedule. The Packers are bad, the Bears are very good, the other two teams are sort of average. Yeah, um, I was just gonna do real quick what these guys have scored. So they had they had scored twenty four points a game this season, and I think Vegas has them at like twenty seven and a half or something like that. Um, I can go back and look. Yeah, but. it's like it's yeah, it's they've scored ninety nine total points in four games, and Vegas has them as a twenty eight point five implied. So that Vegas is basically saying there that you can count on like a fifteen to eighteen percent scoring bump for Stafford, and that's basically what our system has them for. So I'm. Uh, I'm there. If if the system says that that winds up being a good play, I could do it. I certainly don't feel the need to force it. In. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, when I see him in the lineups, I'm like, ugh. Uh, and I get to the matchup, and I think maybe the part where, you know, maybe you'll, you saying that about the matchup makes, you know, that we don't need to overrate it, even though our system is baking in, you know, 
part, you know, partially the, the matchup. It's not, again, it's not the whole thing, but it's, um, where you have to, you have to at some point bake it into in terms of what teams are allowing to have happened. And when I see Stafford in there, I'm just like, oh man, I'd, I think I would, I definitely would rather play Watson or Fitzpatrick over him. I think if, I, if I'm just being totally honest and, that, and that's just a, and that's just a like feel thing more than a, maybe a numbers thing. Well, you have to think that Stafford's like the, standard deviation around his performance is just going to be higher. You know, one of the things that uh, you can find in our ebook at dfsr.com slash ebook is the idea that while quarterback is the safest position, there are ways you can make it more safe or less safe. So you make it more safe by running, right? We've talked about that countless times. Stafford doesn't really do that. You can make it less safe by having a low completion percentage. (laughs) Stafford does do that because that can lead to not only just erratic games, like some games you might, you know, exceed like you might go 30 for 37 but some games you might go 13 for 37 that's going to make it less safe so i think if we're trying to calculate for maximum safety assuming like right now we have stafford in the top lineup but the deshaun watson lineup is less than half a point away i suspect by sunday we'll have that watson lineup up there when we apply multipliers for safety and uh, consistency just for cash games right so yeah, I don't think he'll be there, but it's interesting to note that he's close. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about the running backs and wide receivers. All right, running back this week, I do feel like this is going to be, at least for two of these guys, a pretty chalky week. Um, yeah. Just because there's just a flat-out refusal uh, to price-adjust Mike Davis. I, like, I don't know what he really needs to do at this point to, to, to have this price increase. I mean, maybe it's like, I, maybe you can speak to it cause you wrote up some of these running backs, but Davis was utter chalk last week, rightfully. So the mm-hmm. price really hasn't moved. Um, the opportunity is still there. I mean, what are we doing here? Right? Like, are you confused by it or it's just like, or has he not exceeded expectations? Like where, where do you start here with Mike Davis? Yeah. So the, the basic thing is that I think, the algorithms on the respective sites are hesitant around moving prices really dramatically, um, which, you know, by and large makes sense. With the one exception that we've seen countless times being when a guy moves into a new situation and they can't update quickly enough to how good he now is, right? So um, McCaffrey went down, the conventional wisdom at the time so when a player goes down, I believe that the sites will manually set the price of the backup. And the conventional wisdom at the time when McCaffrey went down was that Mike Davis was going to be some super, super poor man's version of McCaffrey. That McCaffrey was yep. this kind of singular talent, that he was the one making the Carolina running game go. And it turns out that maybe that wasn't totally the case. Like, I think McCaffrey probably is more talented than Mike Davis in an absolute sense, or at least he was last year. Uh, before he had put all those miles on his body. But we're seeing with the way the Carolina run game works that Davis is a, a totally ample substitute, right? Like, yeah, he's not putting up quite McCaffrey's numbers from last year, but the opportunity is essentially there. <laughs> last game, uh, 16 carries, 10 targets for 149 yards and a touchdown. Uh, looks like he's going to be involved regardless of the game script as well. Like, you know, those few running backs that are super involved in the passing game too. Uh, Chicago's a tougher defensive matchup than he had last week. But the Panthers are still 2.5-point favorites, right? And I I just don't see Davis getting left out of this one. I think Davis is going to be essentially a chalk option on both sites until we see, what, like a 10% rise in price uh, or some dramatic shift in opportunity where he's all of a sudden splitting carries for some reason 
uh, yeah, I think until then, we're just going to keep rolling them out there. Also, because, you know, I don't want to give it to Walt all the way right now, but on a small slate, there are not a lot of great running back options here. So taking that all together, I think you'll see Davis as an almost unanimous play. Yeah, I mean, he's fourth or fifth overall in uh, fantasy running back points per game in games that he started. And that's McCaffrey's first, by the way. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. um, and then you get like Aaron Jones and then Alvin Kamara are ahead of him. And then that's the list. And so I just don't, yeah, I don't know. This one's easy. I, the, we can keep talking about it, I guess. But I, I think it's easy. It's easy in terms of how we slice it it's there's only so many ways to make these projections you know from other outfits i just think he'll just be a unanimous play he doesn't cost you enough and you just get elite performance and this probably is the last week of it because christian mccaffrey i think is slated to come back next week so um enjoy it while it lasts we get one more short of an injury we get one more mike davis uh play out of the way here now after him speaking of backups whose price got corrected by the sites alexander madison they did get in there pretty quickly and and correct his price uh, to get to make him not you know no longer backup pricing because he's got the seventy two hundred he's more expensive than Mike Davis on DraftKings which is absolutely bananas and mm-hmm. um, by two hundred and then he is five hundred less than uh, Davis on on FanDuel still seven thousand is that do you th- do you think we're in a situation where people see it and say oh that's just not a backup price, therefore I don't want to pay it? Or is he just RB1 material and we can kind of just lock and load this and then figure out where we're going to go with the rest of the lineups? Because I have a strong feeling about this, but I'm wondering where you stand. Yeah, it's incredible how we basically get the same situation as we got with the Christian McCaffrey situation in that we have a backup filling in for an incredible running back, but more importantly, as a part of an incredible running attack, right? Like, I think right. that's the part that people so often miss that, yeah, the running back definitely matters. You know, I think there's probably an overcorrection in terms of like, ah, oh, you just put anyone back there and, and you can make it happen. I don't think that's the case, but I do think the skill gap between the top guys and the middle guys is close enough. And we also just don't know who the middle guys are a lot of times because they're just buried behind some other top guy, you know, uh, that I think getting a $2,500 discount from Cook to Madison it's just kind of a joke, and I think he won't like he's not going to sneak up on anyone just because he was so good against Seattle last week, carrying the ball twenty times for one hundred and twelve yards while chipping in three targets for three catches and twenty four yards as well. So I think he's going to be on radars. I don't think people will shy away from it. I think he's pretty definitively the back. Minnesota's another team that just likes to leave the same guy out there too. So yeah, I'm a happy buyer of Madison this week uh, in this matchup against the Falcons. Yeah, me too. The Falcons are getting another one that's been pretty, you know, they fired their coach, so, you know, we'll see what, what happens with them. But the they their defense has been pretty damn poor this season. Uh, and they're, they're worse against the pass than they are against the run. Uh, they've really given it up against their 30th against the pass. They're actually 10th against the run. I, again, this is probably we're due from some correction on probably both ends of that this season. But um, just in general, this one feels pretty easy to me. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping it doesn't feel as easy to other people because of the price adjustment and that – he probably maybe doesn't see the ownership that he should. There are some decent running back options on the slate. So the, but for me, I just like, yeah, I mean, we might see a little Mike Boone come out here, but it's just gotta be the carries are just going to be there for, for Madison here. And the, the matchup's too good. The 54 and a half total, huge total here. So uh, this one does feel pretty easy. Now, after those two guys, where else can we look in terms of, you know, safer cash game running backs this week? Yeah, that's where it gets really tough to me. And I'm not exactly sure I can present you with someone that's objectively safe at this point. Uh, So I'll throw out a few different options and then you can tell me 
which one you feel best about, I guess. So uh, one guy is uh, James Robinson. He's playing in that game against Detroit, which is, has the absurdly high total. Uh, Jacksonville, I believe, has a 25.5 implied total this week. And Robinson's another guy, certainly a poor man's version of it, but he's been involved basically regardless of the game script for Jacksonville this season. Uh, even in some like iconic stompings, like against Miami, he touched the ball 17 times and had 129 yards and two touchdowns, right? So like he doesn't really get left out altogether. It's not always exciting, but like on a per-touch basis, he's got 4.8 yards per carry, right? Like Jacksonville is doing something with him. I'm not sure I would feel amazing about seeing his name, but kind of in a similar feeling to Matthew Stafford, just because it's just so weird to take running backs on bad teams. But I'm curious to know what you think of him to start, because he was the first guy, like as I really looked up and down this list, and you know I can start reading off names, and we can give reasons why I think a lot of these guys sort of aren't playable in cash this week. But he was the guy, when I weighed the good with the bad, that I eventually landed on in that third slot in the article. Yeah, um, I think I can feel okay with it. I like that the the passing attempts have kind of, or the, the, the passing targets have kind of been there. Um, it's not elite usage, but this game script probably will lend itself to them being able to run him enough, I think. And then, the, and then you know, the you know price is always important here. He's not overwhelmingly expensive. I mean, on DraftKings, or excuse me, on FanDuel, he's 6,500. I, I can probably live with that. 6,800 on DraftKings is probably a little closer than I want it to be, so I don't know if I'd be able to do it. And by the way, once you, it, really, if you, if you play like Watson, Davis, and Madison, you kind of do start running out of uh, money at that point. So, because like, while not as expensive as they should be, they still don't know those guys are necessarily cheap either. So, exactly. um, so I, it's, it's, I, I, I can, I can talk myself out pretty easily out of it on DraftKings, I think. But on FanDuel, I think I could probably get away with it. I am, you know, I don't know who the other names are. I don't know if you're going to like mention. Like, well, well, I'll just do it yeah. real quick for you. Ready? So, um, we have Derrick Henry on five days rest against Houston at nine thousand. I don't want to do that. You can't, you can't afford it. Um, then you go, sorry, I had all players click. Uh, Aaron Jones going up against Tampa Bay, who's allowed just no rushing yards at all basically this year. He's at 8,500. His opportunity actually looks pretty similar to Robinson, <laughs> you know, the, at least in the last few games. I don't think you want to pay 2000 extra for Aaron Jones there. Um, you have Miles Sanders rolling it back against Baltimore. No way. Um, Jonathan Taylor, you know, the opportunity has been a little bit hit or miss. James Conner's a guy we liked going into last week. He randomly found himself in this kind of bizarre, you know, opportunity situation where, like, he wasn't getting as much opportunity as forecasted. Wasn't very good on a per-touch basis either. And then it just goes on from there. I mean, Kareem Hunt against Pittsburgh's top-ranked defense. Joe Mixon and the who-knows Bengals against Indy's, you know, top-five defense. I guess Todd Gurley, he's another guy that I kind of looked at. He's had some moments. They're going up against Minnesota. He's actually right in that James Conner price tier. Why don't we do that one real quick? So Todd Gurley, last week against Carolina, did have 19 touches, turned into 150 yards in a touch. Would you feel good or bad if if we had Robinson and the chalk was Gurley? Going Man, it's just the new coach situation there has me worried. Yeah. Um, they just and now look, that's is who knows if this is the week with a new with a new interim coach here, Raheem Morris, if they. Mm-hmm. Um, if they end up, you know, now they're just going to lean on a running back. They've never done that before with different personnel. So I, I don't know. I actually don't mind Ronald Jones. Um, 
he's kind of just going the other way in that Tampa game. He he yeah, had a ton of true. carries last week, and they they're on kind of longer rest. They had Fournette back, um, but the, he didn't really play at all. Like he was active, but that was really a name only. And Jones played 49 of the 71 snaps, had 17 carries, also had five targets. I think from like a price perspective, he might be the guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can just talk about more of these on, on the game by game podcast. I, I guess the point yeah, the point yeah. is there's a lot of there's a lot of good but not great options i would say i think that's kind of the theme one hilarious thing you mentioned mixon yolo to the bengals who just like ran him like 27 times last week in a game where they were getting absolutely dumpstered <laughs> like it's just like this is a thing that run right back to the thing where they did last year where it's like you just got to give this guy like all the opportunity in the world it doesn't matter they could be losing by 30 they don't care they, they, ran, they had the most carries in the week and they were just getting they lost by 30 it was unbelievable anyway so and it's not like he was really like where they were like man it's just the only thing that's working they got 59 yards on 20 no they were like really running out the clock so they could go home and so, like that was, it was. It, yeah, they want to keep Burrow safe. I guess. All right, uh, let's go. Let's get on to wide receivers. We'll go. We'll go. We'll talk about some of the more of these running backs when we do the game by game podcast. Uh, another guy whose stats or whose price just simply refuses to correct as well is Robbie Anderson. Same team. Uh, I don't know if it's just a Carolina thing here, but he is just. I mean, there's a couple guys like this this week at wide receiver, but and he's one of them. He's top ten target guy this season. Um, the, the case is really is pretty easy here. He's a top 10 target guy in a way that he really hadn't been used in the, in, on the Jets before. He has 46 targets. Actually, that's like top. That's top seven on the season. Uh, the only thing that really, the yards are, are good. 489 receiving yards is fourth in the league uh, behind just Hopkins, Diggs, and Metcalf. And the only thing that hasn't come along is the touchdowns, except that he's yep. a top five red zone target guy. So they're just, I think they're just going to come, right? So it's just... This one, again, sort of like Mike Davis is like, okay, well, let's figure out what else we're doing with the lineup because Davis and Anderson. Yeah, free yeah, square. Yeah, right? Is that, um, there's anything more to say here? It's just like, it, it's like kind of where we were with DJ Moore last year. It's funny about this team because DJ Moore had a lead target share last year and they, the sites were like, nah, I don't know. Let's just keep him at the 6,500 the whole season. Who cares? <laughs> uh, like, And that's just what they're doing with Anderson despite week in and week out of just awesome targets. Um, I mean, maybe it's a little closer. Yeah, it's a full, full on free square, I think. I, I don't think it's close at all on FanDuel where. The price has come up just 300. The target share is there. The conversion rate really hasn't declined. Uh, tougher defensive matchup against Chicago, but the price is just not climbed. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it's it looks pretty easy to me because we run into that same thing on FanDuel that we did on DraftKings where when you start your running back position by spending 14500 you just don't get to go with three $8,000 wide receivers at that point, right? So I think you just play Anderson and then you fill in at other price points around him. Yeah. Like, and by the way, the conversion is the second best among the top tier group too. He's converting 78% of his targets. The only guy better than him is Hopkins at 85% and kind of no one else is really close to those two after that among the top tier group. So uh, this one seems pretty easy. Uh, I think we can probably move on. The other one on DraftKings that seems pretty easy to me. uh, And I know it's a weird price is Jamison Crowder. Crowder is the 14th is wide receiver 14 in terms of pricing this season, except that on a per game basis, when he plays, He's like the third best wide receiver in football this season. And it hasn't mattered by the quarterback either because they they ran Flacco out there last week and he just threw to Jameson Crowder all the time also. And so I don't know if this is one where like the injury kind of screwed it up or, you know, maybe the lack of touchdowns is going to always be a problem because of just his you know, stature and you know, the down and close stuff. But when he plays... And the, just the fact should, that the team is bad at scoring too. That doesn't help. I mean, that doesn't help. But and usually, and look, I'm usually don't want to do these bad, bad wide receivers on bad teams because they're bad for a reason. And it's usually because the quarterback's bad. But Crowder, I think, is the exception for me. It's just he just gets double digit targets like on lock every single week. And so maybe like Brashad Perryman gets comes back and they get a little healthier around there. But does that feel this one felt pretty easy to me as well? 
Yeah, I love it. I, I think with the only exception being like, and I, I just want to hone in on this point because I think it's going to be like a level up moment for people's DFS as well. Touchdown, a lot of scoring touchdowns is luck, right? Like getting the last yard, like we saw with Calvin Ridley last the other week, like getting the first 63 yards of that catch were not really that much more difficult than it would have been to get the last yard, but getting the last yard was worth six points and the first ones are worth 0.1 points each or whatever. Right. So like, yeah, there is some luck element, but there are things that are highly correlated with scoring touchdowns. So in the case of Robbie Anderson, being in the red zone, getting those red zone opportunities means that he is going to score touchdowns at some point, one would have to think, right? I mean, there can be some physical limitations, but by and large, if you're getting targeted in the red zone, you're there. With someone like Crowder, if your team simply never gets to the red zone, then you're just not going to score touchdowns. Right. So, I mean, Crowder has two touchdowns in three games. This really hasn't been a big problem for him. But just to, as something to keep in mind in general is that, you know, year in, year out, when we look at these numbers, the most important thing when it comes to scoring touchdowns is how often your team has possessions in the red zone. That's just basically the only thing that matters. I can't remember what the numbers were for this year, but typically 75% of all touchdowns are scored within the red zone. So basically you just want to get there. Um, all that that aside, aside, I think Crowder's a phenomenal play. He's the only skill position guy in the Jets that anyone seems excited about right now. So I'm happy to run him out there and uh, you know be wrong, I guess, if, if it comes to that. But I, I suspect that we won't be. I'll motor through a couple more of these guys. You mentioned Ridley here. I think Ridley's still in play. Uh, Julio Jones is just, I think, just completely cooked at this point. Um, we've seen it just time and time again. When it's over, it's over for these guys, and it, it just doesn't come back. And I know everyone kind of waits a few weeks to, to kind of figure it out, or it takes a full season, and then you realize when you look back three years ago, and you're like, Jordy Nelson was a top 10 pick in overall, like <laughs> overall football, like two years ago or something like that. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like Leonard Fournette was a guy like that everyone wanted in the first round like a year or two ago. I'm kind of like just throwing these names out there. The point being is, Yet it's when it's over, it just again it doesn't come back. Like you might can maintain it for a while, like I.e. Derrick Henry, right? Like maintain it longer than it seems reasonable to do, but when you start the decline, you don't uptick it back. So my point, this is the case for Ridley, is that I I'm, I am comfortable just making Ridley like a full on wide receiver one in this offense. Just going forward, he is the main guy, and every week that that goes by that Julio Jones doesn't come back, it just more solidifies. Ridley's stance is that like a you know he's expensive so he's not an auto play for me this week but is that a fair case for Ridley yeah yeah I mean I think the the one underlying assumption that I can't just sign up for immediately is that Jones is totally cooked uh, we've seen him come and go with injury issues in the past he was quite good in the first game of the season started dealing with his hamstring issue missed last week of course and he's not practiced yet so far this week I believe that's problematic. I think that we can probably assume that Ridley is pretty safe until Jones is practicing in full. Once Jones has a full practice under his belt, I can't play Ridley at wide receiver one prices until I see a couple weeks of both of them being healthy and Jones still getting like four targets a game. And uh, I think until then, you're just going to see, like if Ridley actually becomes the de facto number one there, then he'll draw the doubles and then that will leave Jones and company you know, more room to breathe, right? So there is kind of a self-correcting mechanism with wide receivers as they're trying to rise up through the ranks. So I can't put Ridley in that true wide receiver one category just yet. 
Um, but if Jones sits, I, I could consider it as a reasonable spend-up option. And an absolute perfect timing. Adam Schefter just tweeted um, literally right the second. Falcons are shutting down their facility after multiple positive tests. Sources tell ESPN. So that game is a fun cue. That and we could lose Madison going the other way too. Yeah, um, um, that could uh, be a, a total disaster <laughs> for our cash game lineup scoring. So we will see. That is a pretty late in the week old positive testing oh, uh, no. thing right now. So um, keep. We're gonna. It's, it's not gonna be hard to keep an eye on that one because that's all anyone's gonna talk about for the for the next three days. Okay. Um, I also throw out Adam Thielen in there, um, same game. So I think we can maybe move past this. Because, oh, I'm, uh, I'm just rubbing my whole face in anxiety <laughs> and upset right now. <laughs> I'll tell you, when you when you X this game, uh, it starts getting. No. I mean, God forbid, Carolina gets a positive test, and then we might just have it might be all over here. Like we're gonna be <laughs> like I don't even know what to do here. All right. Um. So anyway, keep we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, one more guy that if, if you want to believe in the tri, the Travis Fulgham experience that we saw last week with the Eagles, um, where you know. Carson Wentz just has like a new guy that he's going to throw all the time to. I think people might go back there. Um, I'm cautious about these come out of nowhere guys that all of a sudden get double digit targets. That being said, he doesn't need to see anywhere close to that target share to, to kind of make it at his price. So um, I think based on the last week's performance, people might talk themselves into it. Brandon Cooks is kind of in that same territory. We can talk a little bit more about those guys in the game by game podcast. Let's finish this off sure. with tight ends. Uh, this one looked pretty grim uh, to me. <laughs> We're back. It felt like another week of yeah, what sorry. are we doing? I, I felt like I wanted to apologize to you when I published the article and other, <laughs> these were the names that I came up with. But uh, the guy on the top of my list, I think, is Johnu Smith. Uh, Smith is kind of funny in that he has just absurd fantasy points per game this season at 15.27. That makes him seem like a wide receiver one that we can get for 5,800. He's most assuredly not that. Uh, he's been extremely touchdown dependent, uh, scoring five touchdowns in four games. He will not sustain that pace, and he really doesn't need to. I mean, he's 5,800. He's very obviously a significant part of the red zone package for the Titans, which is really all you're asking for from the tight end position. And honestly, the targets per game are just like fine for a tight end, right? So he's yeah. just under seven targets a game. It's a small slate. We're missing, you know, we're missing the Travis Kelseys of the world. Uh, we're missing George Kittle, if anyone even cares anymore. And that leaves us with precious few options when you click the old tight end tab. Uh, I don't think you want to pay more for Robert Tanyan, who's basically just a more expensive version of the same thing, in my opinion. Uh, I guess that's kind of the decision you're not going to pay any more for like a washed Zach Ertz. And as you go lower, any perceived safety, whether in terms of targets, red zone opportunities, anything else just goes out the window. So, yeah, I think it's for me, it's it's kind of just like Janu or bust and flirting around with other options for big tournaments. But I don't know if you see it any differently. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the last week was a little weird because they had so many guys. Like, Tennessee does get a full wide receiver core coming back this week, which makes me a little worried because Davis and Humphreys both sat out with COVID last week, but they, sh they should both be back this week. And they get A.J. Brown back. So that's the uh, – look, I'm, I'm not going to then make a better case for any of these other guys because I don't think you, it's very, very difficult at that point. Um, like, Robert Tani, like, those touchdowns just are totally unsustainable. And so I'm, like, worried about that. So that's my – but that's my only dig on Janu is that – they're just the, the healthier they get, the fewer targets there's going to be. So well, David Davis is still very much in doubt, as far as I know. Uh, AJ Brown, like you said, he returned against Buffalo. He was great, um, but it's still only nine targets. You know, it's not like he went out there and had 15 targets and Johnny had three. Like we already have a game, knowing how Johnny's going to perform at least with Brown back, which you know for me was the big question mark because Brown is just like a wide receiver one level talent. 
and Corey Davis is not, right? So, right. yeah, so I'm with you. And, you know, there's definitely nits to pick with John, who is a good cash game option, and hopefully I, I picked him. But I just want to know who people want to play instead because I'm listening uh, when it comes to, like, I'm, I'm here and I'm ready to hear that there are better options. Some guys I took a quick peek at. Uh, Austin Hooper, I think, is at least modestly interesting just on the back of rising target share in a new situation. So, you know, obviously he goes to Cleveland this year. It's very quiet for him early on. Then he gets seven targets against Dallas, 10 targets last week against the Colts. So he appears to be becoming more involved in the Browns offense. I mean, we've seen time and time again, guys who do not get consistently get their targets can very easily go back from whence they came. Yep. But at least with Hooper, you have pedigree of him being a top 10 level wide receiver, in ter- or I'm sorry, tight end in terms of fantasy. You know, the new situation leads one to believe that his targets won't normalize as quickly as some others. Would you prefer Hooper here to Johnny Smith? I just don't prefer any of them. And I know that's not a great answer. They're that's all a kind terrible of- answer. We have to press plus next to somebody's name. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess if I saw... So- I guess at that point, like maybe I default that he's just, you know, he's gotten some targets and he's a little cheaper. And at that point, maybe I just take the savings, um, you know, because this is what we time and time again do is that when in doubt on these tight ends, just go the cheapest route because there's just that's just the nature of the position. So I think I'd always trend cheaper if the targets are around, if the perceived targets are around the same. And if they well, and if how that, cheap do you want to get them? Do you want do you want to keep going down the line? Because, you know, the Bucks lost to Jay Howard last week. We saw. Uh, our last game, rather, we saw Gronk, your boy, go up and get six targets, right? Yeah. So he gets six. Uh, Cameron Brake gets six. Those guys are both 5,000 and less. Obviously, both have been DFS performers in the past. Or are we just going to go, you know, go down to the basement here? Jack Doyle, you know, he's 4,900. No, no, um, no. Okay, I'm just trying to list cheap guys. You like cheap, so. No, no, I, I, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying that this is the nature <laughs> of the position. I, th- I guess what I'm saying is, I would not feel great about any of these guys, and thankfully they're all kind of just close in price, and so that's where we're going to probably just land, and maybe that's where we just let the chips fall. Um, yeah, I, I rank Johnu higher. I, I think that's. It sounds like we have a slight difference in opinion here. I think when I'm looking at guys like Gronk or I can't remember Austin Hooper or even like Evan Ingram, who we played last week, who we somehow scooped a rushing touchdown. Yeah, that was out of the deal, which we'll take. <laughs> After he goes from 10 targets to two, it's giving me Austin Hooper vibes there. I think Smith is just a little different than those guys, so I would pay a slight premium for him. Um, I wouldn't go up to like 6,500 for him or anything, but yeah, I, I think we can do it, but I guess we'll see. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with a game-by-game podcast uh, where we're going to roll through whatever game is left on the main slate because this Falcon game is looking like it's not going to play. Right. Um, that was the Schefter, the last Schefter tweet, but and that's not set in stone yet. We'll know more with each day, but they had a ton of tests positive today, so it um, looks like that game uh, is going to take some value off, but we'll talk about that on the game-by-game podcast. DFSR.com is the site, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com. If you want to type out all the letters on your keyboard, go over to DFSR.com slash deals, get you started on our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab, optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NFL, uh, NBA, well, excuse me, NBA's over, so go LeBron, uh, MLB while they're struck <laughs> through the playoffs, uh, PGA, we have that up there as well, so it's all covered under one package dfsr.com slash deals will get you started buddy talk to you tomorrow when we talk game by game podcast peace